lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Emerson Lazia, holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We're brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for y'all. As always, make sure you start the week downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, leaving us that five-star rating, and checking us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung tv plus and more got a lot to get to coming off of a football weekend some very strange reaction to a college football player's press conference or lack of attending a press conference plenty of upsets around the national football league and dad what we saw on thursday night football last night unstoppable force meets a movable object game this is not a joke the broncos and the vikings had both rolled into this one extra frosty and the game largely lived up to it dad we had a close game down to the wire where russell wilson ultimately is able to get his broncos team back into the game i heard on the broadcast they were talking about having a conversation with viking safety harrison smith about russell wilson and they said, you know, he's played Russ over the years, especially when he was in the NFC playing for the Seahawks. And the thing about him is you can have him beat the entire game. But he said, Russ always has the ability down the stretch to get his team back in it. And what a prophetic nugget from that broadcast booth as Russell Wilson and the Broncos ultimately find their way back in and win this game. You know, a few weeks ago, everybody kind of looking at this game saying, well, this is why they're flexing games now, because there's no way this will still be a standalone Sunday night game. And lo and behold, going into the game, Denver with a three-game winning streak, Minnesota with a five-game winning streak, the Josh Dobbs story, just how cool it's been. And it lived up. You're right. I mean, finally to have a game live up, uh, be a one-point final drive game that Minnesota has a chance uh, to win it. What has been incredible to me while both teams have really made a nice turnaround is I'll pick a side and say this Denver defense has been playing some ball uh, as of late now they own the biggest uh, win streak in football does Denver with four in a row starting out too with the Denver Broncos first nine drives five field goals and four punts so your specialist really got some work uh, going on. They just could not get the ball in the end zone, and they didn't until 1.03 left in the game when Cortland Sutlin did what is a highlight tape high point a ball yep. uh, in the end zone with a couple of players somewhat in the area of him. But it was a beautiful high point that gave them the lead for the first time in the game, I believe. So uh, really impressive. I uh, really out of both teams. Josh Dobbs is, is still setting records out there. So both these teams, and, and you sit there and look at uh, the division. Den- Denver's three games back at KC. We have to wait and see what they do tonight. And Minnesota with that loss, they could have stayed within a couple games of Detroit, who pulled out a win over Chicago yesterday. But that drop loss uh, drops them, I think, to three back uh, from Detroit in this one. But still a really, really good game. 
Hey, Senior, also during this uh, win streak, you mentioned that Denver defense allowing just 17 points per game, and that includes yeah. a Week 8 victory over the Chiefs in which Kansas City, Kansas City scored just nine points here, man. It's been incredible how much they've been able to turn it around on that side of the ball. And, and I've said, and this might be the most useful thing that we can all do in analyzing football for these two teams for the rest of the season. We have got to pretend like that Broncos and uh, Dolphins game never happened. Mm -hmm. Because there is nothing about it that we've yeah, seen yeah. since that has been instructive about either of those two football teams. That game, outlier. Funky stuff happens. We can all look back on it fondly and say we saw an NFL team score 70 points. But ever since that, whether it's by injury, production, or otherwise, the Dolphins have not looked like the greatest show on turf reincarnate. They've been a very good offense. But we've seen you can stop them. You can get do things to slow that offense down and not get 70 points hung on you. And on the other side, the Broncos defense with largely the same personnel has gone out there and yeah. started to really affect good offenses and make no mistake this Vikings team while it does not have Kirk Cousins or Justin Jefferson right now we had still seen them do things that good offenses done in this early portion with Josh Dobbs and last night dad is kind of the culmination of this it gave birth to the dumbest stat I've ever heard like this yeah. stat is the biggest captain obvious moron stat that I have ever heard. And this is not a shot at the people at ESPN Stats and Information who provided this statistic, but merely that it exists and we're going to act today at some point like it is revelatory. The Vikings now have a 51-game losing streak on the road with a minus yeah. three turnover margin. That's the second longest active losing streak behind the Patriots at 68. Of course, you're supposed to lose the game when you are minus three in the turnover margin, <laughs> yeah. and especially on the road. And for Josh Dobbs, this is a game where we finally saw some of that newness manifest in places that turned the ball over. We saw a bunch of issues with the snap very early on yeah. in this game when he was under center. All the things that we probably expected two games ago when he first took over, but absolutely mean that you should lose the football game. So, Dad, you you kind of mentioned their long-term trajectory did seeing that in that stage make you more or less confident like if you had to put chips behind one of these two teams to make a legitimate playoff push for a wild card spot on the back end of this season did last night sway the way you thought about that Man, that's a tough one because for all the bad with Minnesota with the turnovers, the botch snaps, they are they're on a drive to win the game at the end. They almost made it through all of that. Denver Man, Mike, I mean, they're so reliant on that defense. The offense really isn't very good. They don't run the ball that well. They don't throw the ball that well. But you still say Russell Wilson, he's pulled games out. He did it again last night. As I said, Sutton's catch was, was, was the thing, though. He high-pointed it really well. It's tough for me to trust their offense. Um, but I guess I could say the same thing about Minnesota, though – they very well could be getting Justin Jefferson back soon, which gives them gives yeah. them a big, big check mark to go along with TJ Hawkinson, who's been money uh, without question. So I think even though it's Dobbs against Russell Wills from the quarterback standpoint, the weapons that Minnesota has, I might like that a little more, but the best unit out of the four without question has been Denver's defense. So that that's the part I, that's one thing we talk about with Cleveland is Cleveland, you know, not having a quarterback right now, but they're going to be in it till the end because of their defense. And that Denver defense is kind of playing that way right now. Yeah, and I would look at and say, yes, absolutely, Denver defense deserves some credit. I will say, though, the Vikings defense last night largely held that Denver offense in check for the majority of the night. We've seen blitzing at the highest rate in the NFL. Brian yeah. Flores on every play seems to just mix up the bag and then fire missiles at opposing offenses. But as far as the playoff concerns, if you look right now at the playoff picture, the Minnesota Vikings are currently in as a wild card. It's the NFC. Yep. That's the biggest get-out-of-jail-free card in this is looking around at the rest of the NFC and the teams that are below them right now. The Green Bay Packers, who managed to pull one off yesterday but did not seem emblematic of them. That seemed more about the Chargers. And then the Los Angeles Rams, the Falcons, the Bucks. And with Justin Jefferson on his way back, potentially, they said it's really just a conditioning and comfort thing for him right now coming off the hamstring strain. He expects to be available for them next weekend. I would still be much more comfortable after this game looking and saying, I think the Vikings in this year's NFC have a legitimate shot to make the postseason because despite some of the down from Josh Dobbs last night, you still saw, Dad, the things that have made him special. I think I saw a Ben Solak tweet, Josh Dobbs has the most 
most expected points average uh, added on scrambles. There is no more valuable scrambler in the NFL than Josh Dobbs, who threw for touchdowns and ran for touchdowns last night. Three straight scramble touchdowns in three straight games for the Minnesota Vikings. So what he lacks in understanding of their offense and maybe the high-end production of a Kirk Cousins, Dad, he makes up for an extremely valuable skill set in the modern NFL. He does, and I just love his, he just, his zero fear, he just stands in the pocket. He just, he'll, before he scrambles, man, he just stands, you know, and he'll, he'll take a hit if he has to. I will say, and I, I would imagine, Mike, you know which play I'm talking about because it happened early. Every now and then you run a play and you say, huh, oh. we're never going to run that play again, okay? Just get the magic marker and scratch that on the play sheet, and then after the game, pull it out of the game plan, throw it away, and never speak of it again. So it's it's four, it's at fourth and short, right? I believe it was fourth and short for the Minnesota Vikings. It was fourth and short. And, yeah, and, and uh, Josh Dobbs is back in the shotgun, and TJ Hawkinson, the, the tight end, goes in motion across and stops at the center and goes under the center like he's going to take the snap. I'd seen that once before, and then he'd stay and keep in motion. So you figure, okay, he's going to take the snap. He's going to quarterback sneak it. He takes the snap. Everybody goes left. It's an option. And he option pitches the ball to Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs' almost, game was almost over at that point. Kareem Jackson, who is going to get fined for that hit, and I don't can't believe he didn't get penalized in the game, absolutely smoked Josh Dobbs short of the first down. Dobbs had to go in the blue tent. He was able to come back and play. But, man, I saw that play developing, and I saw that hit, and I said, well, you will never, ever, 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 ever see that play again run by the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Yes, it wasn't even an option, Dad. They ran full-on they toss it. crack You're right. with their You're quarterback. Right. You're they right, it was. They toss yeah. crack. They had pullers out in front for their quarterback, who got promptly waylaid because as mobile as Josh Dobbs is, he ain't a running back. And he found out the difference on that play. That's when Dad had to look so cool when they were installing it. Oh, you get that one, you talk about it in the meeting, and then you go run it in practice, and everyone's just kind of doing it half speed because you obviously aren't going to hit the quarterback. And everyone's like, oh, man, they'll never see this coming. And then in the middle of the game, reality hits like a ton of bricks, and now you're sitting there going, we probably shouldn't have done that uh, for a quarterback that's already had some ball security issues since he came over. So uh, I think we're both on the same page as far as these teams the Denver Broncos it's a great story it's probably a great sign in their trajectory heading towards next season because all of this is supposed yeah, to be yeah. a long-term fix in Denver with Sean Payton and with a quarterback that you paid a million billion gazillion dollars to dad I, I, I do want to look in the direction of another team that's always going to be tied into the Josh Dobbs movement around the NFL this year the New York Jets, we're going to talk about a lot of teams feeling some real angst and frustration. We're at that point in the season where you've got a couple of coaches getting frosty in the press conferences, a few more names that we expect to end up on the chopping block. And Rob Sala is not going to be that guy, but this coach has been steadfast in his support for Zach Wilson ever since Aaron Rodgers went down. And we've talked about how post-trade deadline, Hey, man, that might just be the cards that you've been dealt at this point. But considering what we've watched from Josh Dobbs so far this season, both of the times he's moved around having success and helping out his respective teams, and what we saw elsewhere around the NFL yesterday as the Cleveland Browns get a win with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, but also announced that they're signing Joe Flacco to the practice squad there to provide some veteran depth for this team that just had to put Deshaun Watson on IR for the season. Dad, Rob Sala and the New York Jets finally broke a little bit. We saw and heard from him post-game a little bit non-committal about quarterback in the future. Are you surprised that at this juncture it finally happened, Dad? Because we had talked just last week about the fact that there just might not be other options for you in New York, and I'm surprised that this is what it took. See, I, I think once they decided early not to trade for a player, and, and I don't want to keep throwing Josh Jobs like, how did they not do pass? How did they pass on Josh Jobs? Listen, Josh Dobbs won one game in Arizona. Let, let's not make it sound like he was setting the world on fire to where, wow, we should have traded for this guy. Uh, now, 
Do I think they should have traded I mean, for someone should, or signed someone? Yes, they should have done that. You you don't think after what we saw early in the season where the Arizona Cardinals upset the Cowboys that he warranted a look from this New York Jets team and would have been an upgrade over Zach Wilson? As I said, yes, he would have, as others would have as well. But I'm not going to point to them and say, man, you blew it on Josh Dobbs, okay? What I'm saying is you blew it on not getting another quarterback. We were all screaming for for it then and but once I'll say once you didn't do it I would do exactly what they did you throw all your chips behind Zach Wilson because you made that decision a decision we all disagreed with but you once you go down that road every week you can't question it then you have to just say this is our guy this is our guy this is our guy until he gives you enough evidence or that breaking point where you say okay this can't be our guy anymore and we got to that point and we kind of all saw this one coming but the Jets tried to go a different direction so yes Josh Dobbs could have helped them there's probably a number of quarterbacks that could have helped them and they should have explored that and they didn't but I don't blame them once they didn't to not throw all the chips behind Zach Wilson and say we're sticking with you because that's the decision they made and now that decision is over you brought Trevor Simeon in yet Tim Boyle is still the one that played so I mean it it is an ad they they obviously made the wrong decision by not doing anything at the trade deadline they tried to live with it and it just absolutely bit him with the interesting thing to me Mike is I think there was part of all of us that were kind of hoping that the Jets stayed relevant in the playoff hunt just to see if Aaron Rodgers really was going to come back. Now, you and I, and I don't know where you were, Emerson, on this, but Mike, I know you and I didn't think it was going to happen. He wasn't going to come back. But that's that's the goal he wanted to work for himself. There was I'm sure there was part of a lot of people that were like, man, I'd like to see the Jets in it to see if this is really going to happen. We need to put that one by the wayside now, right? That That's over. They're four and six. The AFC, they're not going to make the playoffs. And you wonder if Aaron Rodgers is still going to want to prove to everybody, I could have come back. I can still play. Man, now you just need to sit that guy and say, let's wait till next year because uh, they're, they're, the Jets had zero shot with this offense. Well, Junior, even for this week, talking Black Friday, the Jets are going to clash with Miami. First ever Black Friday game, by the way. And he was non-committal on who he was going to start at quarterback. Said he would make a decision on Monday, so today. But either way, I don't think the Jets can go back to Zach Wilson, right? No matter how poor the alternative is, you've got to move on. It's over. That's what we thought for weeks now, though. And to the point that me and Dad made, it's does Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon really present a better option if you're standing up there in front of your team? I get the idea of changing up the things for the sake of change at times, but damn, that would have been weeks ago that you could have thought about that even back when you had options in, all right, why don't we do this before the trade deadline so we could have realistically made something happen? And God, just hearing you say that about the Black Friday game right now, because you know who calls the Black Friday game? (laughs) Al Michaels. Yeah. Like, this is Al, like, I don't know. (laughs) You know what it must be? Al Michaels had enough good games, like got to be a part of so many historic calls and so many big moments in my sports lifetime that the football gods just decided you've had too much. The sports gods just decided he had too much. And now this is the purgatory that he's been presented because, man, having Al Michaels have to call that game on Friday night seems cruel. I'm just going to say it. We're all going to watch. We're all going to look around. Thanksgiving weekend's one of the best football watching holidays on planet Earth. But my God, having that just crystallize in my head that now the will they won't they Zach Wilson game is what Al Michaels is going to have to talk about in the open with Herbie. Dad, you, you've met and been around Al Michaels a lot more than me right now. I cannot imagine the very visceral disdain we're going to hear from that man. Yeah, a lot. You know, it goes from the miracle on ice to this, you know, and, and last year's Thursday schedule. He's a, he's a man that you're right, that, that's seen an awful lot. I mean, I have no idea, obviously, what to expect in, in that game. That Jet defense is going to have to stand up so big against Miami. And for the Jets, my God, Mike, they lost another lineman. Mekhi Becton gets carted off with an ankle. I mean, this offense. So while Zach Wilson has been bad, listen, he is not the only problem on that team, on that offensive side of the ball. And and a lot of it is not the fault of the O-line. Getting hurt is getting hurt. You know, no one's out there trying to get hurt. So that has not added to this mix of dreck on that offensive side. No one or nothing was busier or moving more yesterday than the injury carts, Junior. 
There was a bad day for injuries. Oh, I know. We'll we'll get to a bunch of those because man, it was ugly yesterday. Yeah, it was tough. Aaron Jones in Green Bay, the really ugly scene for Joey Bosa with the Chargers, and it sounds like those guys might actually have a shot of being all right. But just based on the churn that we've seen, I know every year we say it feels like there are more injuries than normal, and this year it's probably because so many of them have been quarterback injuries. But it certainly does give you pause every single time it happens. So. Brutal stuff there. Uh, brutal for Makai Becton, too, who had worked so hard to get back from all the injuries that have plagued him early in his NFL career. They talked a lot about that on Hard Knocks this season. I know he was one that Rob Sala was really excited how much he had done transforming his body. So lots of news still to get to uh, on the quarterback and coaching front. Uh, that we've got from this NFL weekend here, uh, including some very frosty press conference sounds. So why don't we get to that uh, coming up next here. Miked Up Monday, going to be very interesting on this show as we're going to have the debate all day long between the Washington Commanders and the Los Angeles Chargers. Who is going to be up next looking at their coach and wondering how much longer they're actually going to be manning the helm for their present team? And oh, by the way, is the best defense in the NFL really capable of lifting a rookie quarterback to the playoffs? It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness, getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with the championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year and is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, back here on Gojo and Golik, everybody. It's a Miked Up Monday. It's presented by Wrangler. So let's dive into some of the sound around the league that went down following all of the action of Week 11 yesterday on Sunday. So there may have not been a team in the NFL here, guys, that needed to win more yesterday than the Cleveland Browns, as if playing the Steelers really wasn't difficult enough. Now without their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson out for the year. You have DTR back under center, trying to avenge that ugly first start he had back in Week 4 against the Ravens. They ended up with the comeback, walk-off victory against their division rival. And here is DTR following that win. Um, you know, they believed in me. They trusted me. I trusted my teammates. Uh, the biggest thing I was telling myself all game is just stay disciplined, take it one play at a time. Uh, there's times in that game where, you know, if it was week four, I would have forced it and we had a tip pick, another tip pick or whatever it was. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, it's going to be night and day when I get out there. I've been working my tail off and uh, I'm just glad my teammates were there with me. I mean, listen, he, it wasn't super pretty. In his defense, no. too, back in week four, he learned that he was starting that game, that game I think, an hour before it yeah. kicked off. But anywho, leads the team on that game-winning drive here, Junior, sets up the game-winning field goal, not including spikes as well. Thompson Robinson, 4-4, 39 yards on that final drive. And it backed up really a top-two defense here that is definitely more than good enough to get Cleveland to the postseason. Completely agree. And yeah, for DTR, this is like if you were trying to learn physics and you were going to do it by having to pilot the space station for your first rattle out of the box, going up against the Ravens and the Browns defenses in your first two NFL starts. You want to talk about the first time he plays a normal defense in the NFL, how it's going to feel like he just took the donut off the bat going up to the plate? Because what he had to weather uh, you know, on the other side, 
Oh, excuse me. He was going against the Steelers defense. He has the Browns defense on right. his side. Phrased that wrong. But still, the Steelers defense, while numerically not the most daunting this year, we know traditionally still has some parts that are very good, still has some things that present the challenge in the AFC North of all divisions. And so, Dad, this is absolutely still a playoff team in the AFC right now. Yes. This defense is insane. Miles Garrett is absolutely front runner for defensive player of the year. Great right now. Because this offense got to play it close to the vest. Wasn't a dominant rushing performance wasn't a high-flying passing performance but it doesn't need to be when your defense is on the other side caving in the entire Steelers offensive outfit to the tune of Kenny Pickett throwing for 106 yards in this game yeah sacked three times in this one um ugly game just barely over 50 percent though DTR threw the ball 43 times I know some of those were spikes it's tough to ask your young guy to throw it that many times you'd like to see their running game a little bit better uh at least next week they won't have a great offense to go against but they will a great defense you know who they play next week Denver (laughs) oh so yeah I mean so another tough test for DTR on that offense against a Denver defense that has been money but on the other side a, a Cleveland defense which is just incredible against this Denver offense, which which has real trouble getting into the end zone. So interesting matchup there again, though Denver right now the hottest team in the NFL at four in a row. Uh, so I, I they Cleveland, we Mike, we talked about this last week. Cleveland definitely in it. In a, in a deeper AFC, because of their defense, you're going to be in every single game and a lot is thrown on their shoulders. And I think each game DTR gets a little more comfortable that can only be good for the Browns. So I, the arrow is up there. Listen, this is still Baltimore's division to lose, I think. Yeah. Uh, still the best team in that division. Oh, yeah. And if the Pittsburgh Chiefs lose tonight, have... Baltimore's the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pittsburgh just obviously not there offensively. And Cincinnati, wow. I mean, just really been a, a disappointment. So, uh, But Cleveland right there. And then by the time you get to the playoffs, DTR has how many now games under his belt so it could it could become very interesting for the Browns, you know, kind of peaking at the right time with what they have, not the quarterback that they want, which was a former top five quarterback in the league. And even when Deshaun was playing this year, he wasn't that. While he was getting better, he still wasn't to that level. But I'm interested to see where DTR is by the end of the year as this team, I believe, gets into the playoffs. They did a bunch of the easy stuff to break in a young quarterback, got him on the move, used him in the design run game, got the ball out of his hands quick. All of it, smart stuff Kevin Stefanski's doing to try and help his rookie quarterback do well. I agree. They are capable of winning a playoff game with that defense. And on the other side, the Steelers got some long-term questions to answer because Kenny Pickett just does not seem to have the juice. I know Matt Cannon has been the source of everybody's ire, but that is just Mm. not nearly productive enough. Emerson, what do we got next sound-wise? All right, dude. So we are used to Miami head coach Mike McDaniel, right, praising his high-powered offense, and we understand why. But here he is after yesterday beating the Raiders, giving the nod to his defense. We'll we'll learn from the stuff that we can and and get better from it. But ultimately, um, you know, it's it's a team game, and you know when you do come up short offensively, you need somebody to pick up the slack and. To have two fumbles on the thirty-ish yard line um, on your own, in your own territory, and have that equals six points, I believe, um, and then to uh, you know have have a couple very timely interceptions, um, you know that's that's what you have to do to win in the National Football League. You're not always going to um, supremely execute on one side of the ball or the other, so. Yeah, those timely interceptions. We're talking Jalen Ramsey here. He had two of them. Like, it's fair to doubt the impact, Junior, of a nearly 30-year-old cornerback who's fresh off that extended injury-related absence. But without him, the Dolphins probably don't survive the scrappy Raiders yesterday. No, Dad, that was probably my biggest takeaway, quite honestly, was, oh, okay, Antonio Pierce actually has these Raiders playing some ball. Because regardless of some of the injuries we talked about going into this game, they stood toe-to-toe with a Dolphins team that, while they're not the 70-point Dolphins, is still a very good outfit in this AFC. So a huge tip of the cap to them. You just couldn't overcome three interceptions by your rookie quarterback who's going out there and playing. We talked about DTR here for Aiden O'Connell and what he's done. That also falls into that category of, hey, you saw some of those growing pains when he was pressed into duty, but Jalen Ramsey absolutely deserves a lot of credit. 
Yeah, you know, I, I Jalen Ramsey does. And by the way, that last interception when he landed, I'd have thrown up right there on the field. He landed on the ball and his stomach. I mean, so when a dude like that who's already has a lot of abs, you know, gets oh. hurt like that, just imagine what a fatty like us would happen if we <laughs> fell flat on our stomach from about eight feet in the air after he jumped for that ball. Uh, it was a fantastic interception. But, I, you know, so I wonder – the Raiders, the direction they're going. My God, Hunter Renfro had five receptions. Hunter Renfro, we finally, you know, after a couple of years ago when he had, you know, a million receptions, he's like disappeared on this offense. It seems Adams, Jacoby Myers, Michael Mayer had four, Renfro five, so that they're getting into a rhythm there a bit. The defense had been playing well. Is this more about Mike? We think the Raiders are going in the right direction, though you have a young quarterback who's making mistakes. Or maybe Miami isn't what we thought Miami is. And we still, we keep saying we get thrown by the 70-point game, uh, but it's a 500 team they were playing in the Raiders yesterday, and they, and they barely get by. I'd say a little bit of both is my cop-out answer on that. Uh, TBD with the Dolphins, they definitely have been trending in the wrong direction, though. Let's get to the last bit of sound here quick, Emerson. What do we got? Okay, so no one expected the Texans. You want to talk about rookies throwing interceptions here. No one expected the Texans to be 6-4 and four at this point, except really for the Texans and C.J. Stroud not really worrying about outside expectations right now. We have expectations that we hold ourselves to and a standard that we hold ourselves to, and we started that back in OTAs. Um, and it's not about what everybody else thinks or what, what, we th- what they thought we were going to be at this point. Um, it's about what we go put on that field. So um, it's, been, it's been really cool to play, with, to play with my teammates and build week in, week out. And uh, now that we put ourselves in a great position to, to go play for the division, man, it's really special. So um, this week is going to mean a lot. Um, Got to go practice really hard and put another great weekend to practice. And, um, and around Thanksgiving, you want to be playing your best football, and I feel like we're doing that. And, uh, of course, you got to just eliminate the negative plays. But other than that, man, we're moving the ball really well. Defense is getting stops. Um, it's the NFL, you know. So um, every game is, is, is a fight and a battle to the very end. Um, and we're going to just keep going. Yeah, he compared himself to Steph Curry after that three-interception game, saying, like, shoot or shoot, and he's just going to keep letting it ride. Yep, and he did just that. So uh, it was almost nice to know that C.J. Stroud was human at this point. I think that was my biggest takeaway after the first half where he had thrown for upwards of 250 yards and looked like he was going to maybe go on pace. I think we were doing the on-pace stats for over 500 yards in that game. We saw a little bit of humanity from him. The run game continued to show up against this porous Cardinals defense. And so the Houston Texans ultimately find a way and check another box. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Back here on Gojo and Golik, everybody. So Caleb Williams, we know, heralded as one of the best quarterback prospects that we've seen really ever. And yeah, he's not really playing perfect football, hasn't over the last few months. And we may have seen him play his last game already in college football before he takes the leap to the NFL. So this has also opened him up, Gojo, to criticism of a different nature. And such was the case like this past weekend. Ian Rappaport, of all people, calling out Williams for choosing not to speak to the media after USC drops their fifth game of the season to rival UCLA. This seemed a little harsh, did it not? I saw you tweeting about it. Yeah, it just seemed strange, Dad. So, yeah, that's the backdrop is – Caleb Williams is a guy who is a big personality in college football. Being a big personality, being a young person, being a quarterback doing that, being a black quarterback and doing that are all things that can have damaging effects when the losing starts to happen. And so for Caleb, who has been a big personality in all those ways, when he elected to not do that and not go to the postgame press conference for UCLA, I got worried. And my fears were then confirmed when he started to see tweets like this. And Ian Rappaport is an NFL insider. He's a newsmaker. He's a guy 
that generally is in the information business who all of a sudden seemed to offer something of an opinion here in this tweet that dad was a little bit confusing to me given the source but not all that surprising that people were going to look at this and now because Caleb Williams had faltered off of the standard of being the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback with the Patrick Mahomes comparisons and now we're going to start to look for the ways to pick him apart we had already seen that with his game where we had introduced the idea that hey maybe Drake May is more fit for the number one overall pick or at least in the conversation but dad where are you on this idea of the criticisms of Caleb Williams character starting to come into play because he didn't go to a press conference after this game I mean are we it doesn't shock me at all this is what happens now you know it's it's the building up and then the tearing down you know of of he's going to be the number one pick and then if anybody who's not going to be the number one ticket to pick, it's about building up. But if you're projected as the number one pick, everybody, it starts to throw darts, right? As to why you shouldn't be or why I'm going to tear you down or why I think you're not good enough to be the number one pick. This guy's the number one pick in the draft. It's going to be the number one pick in the draft. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I don't think he's going back to school, like he said, because he can make more money. He may not like who has the number one pick in the draft. He's going to be called. His name's going to be called. He's going to be picked first, and he'll go to some team. Does he have a little bit of a different attitude? Yes. Is he the first quarterback or player to have that? No. So, But that's what's going to happen right now. He's kind of a, a magnet, and some of it he brings on himself when he paints his you know, fingernails, F you to a team, and you know he's kind of a showboaty guy. So that's going to come along with it. It's all great when you're climbing the mountain and you become the best quarterback in college football last year and win the Heisman and everybody says here we go can we get number two we haven't had it since Archie Griffin in the early 70s and then from the Notre Dame game on he starts to falter some and everybody enjoys throwing the darts that's what we do we do this every single year how quickly did it take us to the start of this NFL season to start ripping the quarterback class of Stroud, Young, Richardson, and and Levi, you know, to talk about this crew coming in of Drake May and maybe Shador Sanders and Caleb Williams, how it could be better. This is what we do. This is what we do. We start to break somebody down, and that's what's going to happen with Caleb Williams. So I actually disagree with one thing you said. I don't think it's a lock that he's the number one overall pick. I think there's going to be a legitimate debate about him and Drake May from a football standpoint. Because when you watch both of them play football, there's actually a lot of similarities in their game in what they've both had to do to be successful at the college level. The difference is... We don't know anything about Drake May's personality. No. I don't even know if I've heard Drake May talk at this point. I don't know how many people that are going to have the discussion publicly about Drake May and Caleb Williams have even watched a North Carolina game this year. I'm not talking about the people that digest the draft. I'm talking about the public at large. North Carolina, in the last two years, Drake May should have been a legitimate Heisman candidate last year. And instead, because no one watched North Carolina football by and large, he went unnoticed. So you've got a weird situation that's going to happen. Where, like you said, Dad, you got a quarterback that's comfortable letting it fly there a lot of people bringing up the fact that he sort of took a shot at um, Max Duggan when he was crying in the post game presser after a game last year I'm not saying there are things that Caleb Williams has done that haven't warranted some scrutiny hell even this should he have done the press conference yeah probably just stand up yeah. there and take the medicine yep. life's a lot easier Absolutely. for you am I going to use that one moment and this is the problem I have people using that one moment not anything they know about the player Not anything they've talked to people about the player, but people that seem comfortable using that one moment as an indictment of this guy's character and saying, your job when you're an NFL quarterback is to stand up at the press conference and NFL teams care about this. NFL teams care about character when it's convenient. Mm -hmm. Other than that, they want to know, can you sling the rock? And this kid can sling the rock. And so they're going to look at him from that standpoint compared to Drake May. And that's going to be the determining factor. If they find out other things from talking to coaches or talking to the player and the process we're about to go through, great. But using this moment as a spot to indict the guy's character because he didn't show up and play the game that we all want to play, that to me seems like a step too far. Is this what we have to look forward to for the next like four months leading up to April's yes. draft here. Like I, there's yes. no questioning his physical talents 
Uh, like, that's undeniable. But now I feel like all these draft pundits, all of a sudden, and you have Rappaport apparently getting this head start. We're going to be wondering if he has the mental toughness to succeed in the NFL, especially after, was it last week or the week before, he was crying in the arms of his mom? Yeah, yeah, this is, this is Emerson. It's exactly what we do. It's amazing when somebody's done playing football and the time they put shorts and a T-shirt on until the draft, how things change. It yeah. blows my mind. What is my grade of Caleb Williams right now after playing football as opposed to Drake May? I like Drake May as well. I would take Caleb Williams number one. Now, we have to go through the process, and the biggest thing to me is when he sits with teams and they put him at the chalkboard, you know, or the whiteboard, or, or the video, you know, and break things down that way. That, to me, is the important meetings with the NFL brass on, on what he sees and what he tells them. But for my money right now, he's the number one pick in the draft. It is... Emerson, yes, absolutely a preview of what we have to come because we have a, you know, let's call it what it is. You've got a black quarterback and a white quarterback that are going to be squaring off in this conversation. You've got a quarterback that we know a ton about in Caleb Williams. Very vocal, a guy that's been all over the media, Heisman Trophy winner, and a quarterback that we know nothing about, by and large, as a national audience in Drake May. And that allows us to make Drake May anything that we want. You can project your value of what a quarterback should or shouldn't be on a guy who's not giving you much in his own. And that might change as we go through the process. But there are so many differences that pop up between the two that I think are going to at times make this a really ugly conversation depending on who gets involved. I'm not looking forward to that at all. Uh, but what I am looking forward to is if we're going to talk about post-game press conferences, yeah. we had Senior Day in South Bend, and yeah, my maybe. man Sam Hartman put on a show. Yeah. Listen to Sam Hartman after his final game at Notre Dame Stadium, one of the most accomplished college quarterbacks of all time, recounting one of the coolest moments that I've ever heard about on a sideline. I will say a funny story, and this is going to be the last thing I say. Sorry, but it, I'm walking, and I'm not mad about this. This is incredible. I got a hot chocolate on the sideline. Yes, we have hot chocolate on the sideline. Uh, I was done playing. And I'm walking, and some, some girl, and I, they, I, if I saw her right now, I'd know who she is, but I don't know her name, threw a marshmallow from, like, the student section, like, not the close student, like, I mean, it was like a 30-yard shot, landed in my, my, in, in my hot chocolate. And I'm like, who, like, one of my teammates just did it. And I, I'm like, kind of like, oh, really funny guys. And then I look up, and... This girl is going nuts, and she just dunked in there, and then obviously ceremoniously I chugged it. But <laughs> wow, I love him. Shooter, shoot, baby. I love him. Shooter, shoot. Him. She made her shot. That's incredible. <laughs> did Did you see what they did when Sam Hartman left the game? They played Whitney Houston's "I Will Always Love You" and put his face up on the video board. I mean. Emerson, any time they would mention his name or Marcus's name, because they are without question the best head coach quarterback duo in the country, maybe in the history of college football, everybody goes nuts when either one of their faces shows up on screen. But to play that song and put Sam up on the screen, such a, a great dude, Mike. I know you and I got to know him pretty well uh, through the season. I, I wish the season would have would have finished a little better. I think they'll win their last game, go to a bowl game, obviously. But it was hoping it would be a little bit better. But what, what a really, really good guy he is. Mike, people are asking why he had we marshmallows We were lucky to have him place. on campus it's a student tradition at Notre yeah, Dame yeah. on senior day going into the fourth quarter. There's a marshmallow fight in the stands. Uh, Dad, I I'm with you. Very fortunate to have Sam Hartman, an unbelievable ambassador for the university in such a short yeah. time there. And also want to shout out J.J. Post from the Notre Dame Observer, who confirmed that the thrower of the marshmallow was none other than Notre Dame track and field medalist and senior Madison Schmidt. We got to the bottom of the other side. Wow. All right, time to do that thing you like again here on Gojo and Golik. We're going to have a little roundup of the action around the NFL over the weekend. How about this one, dudes? For the first time since 1969, both the Browns and Lions won at least seven of their first ten games to start the season. If you throw in the seven and three Jacksonville Jaguars, it's the first time ever that all three of the Browns, Lions, and Jags each won seven of their first ten games. Of the four teams to never reach the Super Bowl, the Lions, Browns, Jags, and Texans, they are combined 28 and 12. So I expect to see a lot of Jaguars, Texans, Browns, and Lions on your all-weekend team, okay? 
you yeah. see what happened here, Dad, is this segment where we usually try and jam in other sports here. Emerson has tried to paint us into a corner to make it just an NFL segment <laughs> and really just a Jags segment because he's a Jags fan who wants to come in here and spread propaganda. He grabbed the wheel and he hijacked the all-weekend team segment just to spread his Jaguars propaganda because he finally got to come in here with us off a win this weekend. It's so transparent. Yeah, that's right, well, boy. It's the only... It's the only time Jacksonville will be mentioned, uh, at least in my uh, all-weekend team. So I'm glad you got it in, Emerson, because I won't mention him once. All right, buddy. I was going to say, I think that's the unfortunate part of this is I don't know if either of us have a single jag on this team right now. Because, Dad, I'm going to start off honorable mention all-weekend team here for our best performers. I liked not the fact that Max Verstappen won this weekend in the Las Vegas Grand Prix, which has become par for the course this season. It's the most dominant Formula One season by a driver in the history of the sport already in terms of overall wins, winning percentage, the whole lot. But Max Verstappen wins the Las Vegas Grand Prix in a week where he came up on Saturday after qualifying and was basically openly ripping the entire concept of it, saying that all the fans are there to do is just drink and hang out and watch their favorite musical artists. We're not doing anything to make them actually understand the sport and what we're doing and grow the game dad that's the point we've gotten to where max is so secure in his dominance on the sport that he's going to openly rip the thing that he's in the middle of and the thing the sport's trying to make work in the u.s for the next decade well yeah unfortunately las vegas pretty much failed in this grand prix after the 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 delayed practice round and now a class action suit against formula (laughs) one because all the fans had to leave for safety reasons and and they they were offered two hundred dollars in merchandise to to shut them up basically what what a it, it really was a failure there and max you're right he's the biggest thing there and just said you know what they went 99 percent entertainment one percent actual race and he goes i he goes i love vegas when i to come party with my mates that's about it so not enthralled at all as he yawn yawn wins another Grand Prix event. My honorable mention is going to be, and this has got to be a strong group, but my honorable mention is a guy who threw six touchdown passes in the first half. Bo Nix from Oregon. Now they destroyed a, uh, ASU 49-13. 23-49-16, 45-71-16. 16. Those were his touchdown pass distances in the first half. It's amazing. He's second in the country with 35 touchdowns. Jaden Daniels is first with 36. Only has a couple of intersection, uh, interceptions. The Heisman race is getting very interesting now with Daniels and with Bo Nix, especially if Bo Nix, if they can beat, if they get to the point and beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. Because Penix, his team won a, a good game as well, but his numbers weren't as good. Yeah, this is a tough one, too. Kenny Dillingham, the current head coach of Arizona State, was Bo Nix's offensive coordinator last year at Oregon. So tough to see what you left and the starting point you're at right now. Obviously, brighter days ahead for Kenny, one of the better young coaches in college football. But, Dad, I'm with you. Bo Nix has been sensational. This Oregon team has been on the warpath since that Washington game. We will get to Jaden Daniels in just a little bit, his counterpart. But, Dad, for the all-weekend team, second team, I want to give this out and a quick shout-out. College football Saturday night, powered by Learfield, me and Chris Hassel call games on the weekends is heading to Washington for what we thought was going to be the final installment of the Apple Cup dad that Washington team you mentioned with Michael Penix Jr. going to host Washington State in a rivalry game that got good news the other day Washington and Washington State agreed in principle to add five years to the Apple Cup contract there extending that rivalry through at least 2028 obviously Washington heading to the Big Ten Washington State in limbo right now with Oregon State in the remaining pack two with what they're going to do with their games going forward. But, Dad, as realignment has robbed a lot of people of some of these regional rivalries, it's nice to see both sides understand how important this is to the state and to keep this thing going. Yeah, I, I'm happy they're keeping it going as well when the, the decimation of that conference and where it's going to go are those two other teams, Washington State, Oregon State, they're going to end up in a Mountain West uh, schedule as has been talked about. We will see. Uh, Miles' second team is going to be the guy playing in the NFL that lives at home with his parents, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Hell three yeah. more, t- three touchdown passes. He has five touchdown passes in his first two games. That hasn't happened for a giant quarterback since the 50s, I believe. Tommy DeVito, gang, lives at home with his parents through three more touchdown passes. So, hey, and listen, the commanders, they they looked awful, obviously, in this game. But still, absolutely incredible uh, what this DeVito kid has done. 
Uh, you know, nobody expecting this at all. No interceptions as well. And oh, by the way, he was sacked nine times in this game. <laughs> nine we, we're not times. even getting to the Washington side of how bad they were in this, but had nine sacks and lose a game. But Tommy DeVito, five touchdowns in two games. Good on you, my friend. Hey, he's got more career games with multiple passing touchdowns now than Kenny Pickett. Congratulations. Yeah. And he lives with his parents, as we love That's- to mention. And I'm jealous of that. I was going to say, listen, you know what? At some point, we have to look at this and go wondering, all right, if he continues this level of production, maybe more NFL guys need to think about going back and shacking up with mom and dad. I understand it could make for a few awkward late-night encounters, but (laughs) that's the risk you've got to take if you're serious about your craft. So we digress. First team all weekend. Dad, you put Bo Nix down at honorable mention. I am going to respect our college football slinging uh, large adult sons. Jaden Daniels had eight total touchdowns this weekend. Six passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns with over 500 yards of total offense. And I get it was against lesser competition this weekend. I believe it was Georgia State they were playing or Georgia Southern. But this comes off a week, Dad, where a week ago against Florida, he had 600 yards of total offense and five total touchdowns in that game. I understand that the Heisman is just not an award where we can look up the final stats, but for Jaden Daniels, he has been on a team that we know defensively has struggled mightily and has carried them for a lion stretch of the back half of this season. Him, Malik, neighbors, this receiving core have been putting up bonkers video game numbers for Brian Kelly's crew down there. Yeah, it it has been really impressive what he has done. And he still looks like he weighs 110 pounds. He did it at Arizona State before he transferred. (laughs) I mean, he's just a skinny dude, man. But absolutely getting it done. So uh, it'll be interesting where this Heisman thing ends up. Michael Penix has thrown for the most yards. Uh, Jaden Daniels has thrown for the most touchdowns. Bo Nix has thrown the least amount of interceptions. So... It's kind of, kind of all over the map here, so we'll see how it finishes. We know that Penix and Bo Nix are going to get last looks at this because they'll probably be in the Pac-12 championship game, and LSU uh, will not be in the SEC championship game. Daniel is the favorite weekend. right now, by the way. Minus 125 on the DK Sportsbook. Bo Nix plus 150, then there's Penix Jr. plus 600. And I have a feeling, and Mike, you're a voter, we can talk about this another time, that you wonder if last looks is going to be it for Penix and for Bo Nix. We will see. My uh, first team in all weekend, it's the About Time Award. Jimmy Johnson is going to be put in the Dallas Cowboys ring of honor. This has been one of the biggest farces of all time that it has taken this long. And this is on Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones kind of in a way admitted it. I mean, these two, they were money together back when he hired Jimmy Johnson back in 1989 after Jerry Jones bought the team and then went on to have incredible success. And Jerry Jones felt that Jimmy Johnson got too much of the success. And Jimmy deserved all the success that he got. And that became kind of a wedge between the two. And how he wasn't in the ring of honor already had been one of the biggest jokes there is in sports. So finally, Jerry Jones has got over whatever he needed to get over uh, to put Jimmy Johnson right where he belongs in that ring of honor because he was in a, in, in not a very long time with the Cowboys, uh, really, really put them up the ranks and, and pulled off one of the greatest trades of all time with the Herschel Walker trade. I, I agree. It was always this jockeying for credit between Jerry Jones and him. Is it bad that when I saw this announcement, because I was wondering why now, my first thought was, oh, something bad's coming out for the Cowboys. Like they're trying to make sure that they run cover for something bad that's either about to come out or happen there. Because otherwise, why now? Why would it have happened now? Why did Jerry Jones all of a sudden have some moral come to Jesus? My antennas are up. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.